Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel. How's it feel being back in L.A.? It feels shitty because I'm you, you, sick and sick. you did this to me. You no, were sick no. on Monday. You talk about me being irresponsible. You said nothing until mm-hmm. yesterday when I had mentioned that I was sick and you were like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I have been sick. I, I was over it, though. I was like feeling well, better. And so now you have it. You have the sickness. I have the sickness. I am. I'm just like cold all the time. Yeah. I'm cold. Wait, was that you too? I know. When oh. you said I have the sickness, I was thinking about down with the sickness. Yeah. <laughs> down with the sickness. I was thinking about that song. <laughs> down with the sickness, man. Um, I hope you get better. What are you What are you taking? What's your regimen when you're sick? Well, this I feel like is allergies. So I've been taking Zyrtec, Allegra D, Aleve, and um, my nasal spray. But it might be a cold because my body hurts be and my and I can't get warm. I showed Donnie How do you earlier, know that- but look at my socks. Like I have to wear these fuzzy socks because I'm cold. Like, well, what like- you need to do is take a Swiffer and run it over the floor in the house. That's what you need to do. No, because when you put your back, the bottom of your foot up to the sock, it's yeah, not what dirty. you need to do. Is- you need to take a Swiffer. Just it's go ahead dirty. and take a Swiffer. It looks take a Swiffer to the bottom of the house. Actually, that's, ha- that's happening right now. Actually, they're Swiffing it up because you know. <laughs> you take? Are you on your echinacea? I have some. Should I take it? Yeah. Of Do you course. take I it mean, every this day? This happen to you. You take it every yeah, day. I take it most days, and like I. The only reason why I got sick, I feel like, is because I was off my athletic greens a couple of days. If you take the athletic greens, you won't get sick. I don't know how they don't sponsor you. I mean, they get a free between you sponsor them and I sponsor Red Bull. And somebody needs to cut us a check. You know, QVC Rach has been lacking. Look at the differences in what we sponsor. So I sponsor something that is that is you sponsor something that's definitely going to impair people's cardiac ability. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. That's what that's what Red Bull should have. Red Bull should be like ba-dum, 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 Red Bull. That's what the name <laughs> of the. <laughs> All right, we got Jamel Charlo in the show today. Yeah. If you guys don't know who Jamel Charlo is, you should. He is the undisputed 154 champion. That is light middleweight. All right. He's up against Canelo Alvarez. That's happening September 30th on Showtime pay-per-view. Las Vegas, Nevada, T-Mobile Arena. We're going to talk to him. He's moving up two weight classes to fight Canelo Alvarez at 168. Jamel Charlo's from down there in Houston. His twin brother, Jamal, uh, is also a boxing champion. Uh, but it's Jamel who's in the spotlight right now. He's moving up. Had a great interview with him. You you and him were able to bond over some Texas type stuff. Even though you tried to take that away. Come You tried to take that away. He grew up in in Texas, though. He did. He grew up in Texas. You know He's from Louisiana. And I will tell you this. If my family wasn't from there and still lives there, like I probably go to Houston more than I go to Dallas. Right. Then I wouldn't be claiming really? it. Yeah. Because my grandmother's in Houston. And when I go to Texas, that's who I want to see first. So I go to Houston a lot. More? You like Houston more than Dallas? No. Dallas is home. 
Yeah. But my exes are in Houston. A lot of my exes are All in Houston. Oh, my exes are in Texas. You're like George Strait. <laughs> or not. You are. You ever, you heard that song? All my exes be in Texas like I'm George Strait. Or they go to Georgia State. What tuition is handled by some random nigga that live in Atlanta that he only see what she's supposed to obligated and we have to, Yeah. You know that song? He's one of them. Who, what's, what song is that? He's one of them. What song is that? What song is that? <laughs> Drake. Tell me. Now, what I want the name of the song. All my exes live in Texas. I can just like I'm George Strait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Georgia State. What tuition is handled hell by some random yeah. nigga who live in Atlanta yeah, and shit? Hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right. Uh, yeah. I, I had to, gonna, it had to, like, it had to come you gotta to me. Know. It had to come to me. That's one of Drake's me. best records. That's one of Drake's best records. That's a good song. You like that song? Yeah. You like Drake. You're a Drake fan. I do like Drake. I do Drake like Drake. Is, um, Drake is a fantastic... Fantastic artist. He's into it with Halle Berry right now. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. And I mean, rightfully so. He asked permission. She said no, and he did it anyway. He used her photo, her image on the cover of his single. Yeah. I'd be pissed too. What a weird time. What a weird time we live in. She right? literally, what's the point of asking somebody if you're going to use it anyway? It's, it's, it's worse. It would have been better off if he just used it. You asked, she said no, and you're like, ah, she didn't really mean it. Have you ever done that to somebody before? Have Probably. You done that? <laughs> have you ever done that? I feel, I'm trying to remember a time that I did that where I asked I'm sure with my parents. I'm sure with my parents, right? Just but, as like a formality, but I, I really was going to do what I wanted to do anyway, which is I'm odd. almost positive I did that with my parents. Can I go hang out with this guy? No, bet. Man, what are you what's what's wrong with you and your like this you were rebellious for boys weren't you you, were you know crazy. my parents weren't a big shaheen fan <laughs> really shaheen <laughs> really my dad that tells you right there that they got bad instincts because that's the nicest fucking guy that dude's playing golf no, no, somewhere right now no 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 he was a little different in high school he was a little different how was shaheen different you know he was a uh, 16, 17 year old out here trying to have fun. He wasn't, yeah, he grew up. He grew up. He grew up. He's great. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's a fantastic guy. Um, I will be in Oxford, Mississippi next week. Okay. LSU Ole Miss game. Oxford, Mississippi. How do you get there? I'll be joining. You fly into Memphis, then you drive. How long is that drive? It's 90 minutes, baby. Who are you going with? I'll be down there with the Ryan Rosillo show, doing a live show, Oxford, Mississippi, September 29th at 2 p.m. at the Lyric Oxford. Tickets are available at thelyricoxford.com. We're doing live Ryan Rosillo show. I'm one of the guests. We're going to be doing life advice live down there. If you're in Oxford for the LSU-Mississippi game, come see us, baby. Why this game? That's LSU Ole Miss. Does he have a connection to either one? He's a big LSU guy. Oh. Yeah, he gets it popping with LSU love. It's me and Ryan bonded over that. A lot of people look at me and Ryan as an odd couple, an odd pairing. Well. Um, but the reality of the situation is we're both college football maniacs. We get along talking about sports. We'll go down there and we'll make the whole show happen. And it'll be great. Let me know when he goes to Lethal Austin. weapon. You want to go down there? You want to go down there and, and, and talk Texas football? Texas got a big game coming up this week. Who are they playing this week? See, they don't. You don't even know. Name their whole offensive line. 
Name, you, you, you talking all this Texas shit. Name their whole O-line. Who did they play this week? I, name their whole O-line. I can't even name the Cowboys' whole O-line. <laughs> Zach Martin. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me, let me see if I can do this. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. <laughs> I can't even name the, the whole O-line. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not crucial for me to know a whole roster. Mm, mm, mm. Would you like to know... Would you like to know no. LSU's O-line? Nope. <laughs> Don't care. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel's back. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Here's the problem with everything that's going on right now with me being back into batch. Why are we Is here? That, <laughs> Why do you I'm just, I'm, <laughs> what? Have you finished my season? Uh, not yet. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because... I've kind of started watching other batch seasons. Like batch. <laughs> Who's? This is Look, hilarious. So, uh, like, actually, I wanted to finish the Chip and Dale season, which I never did. Oh, did you know that? Did you know that I, I stopped did not? Watching? I did I not. I know you were very upset that you weren't getting Chip and Dale anymore, but I didn't realize to the point where you stopped watching this season. I finished. I've, I watched Tasha's season. I did not watch it. I started finishing it because they, you know, it recommend and you're like, oh, well, I'm actually looking forward to this trip so that I can watch a couple of eps of Batch while I'm on the plane, watch a couple of eps of Batch while I'm in the hotel, because a lot of this Batch has been while I've been on the road. Batch has got a good formula, Golden Batch. I feel like we're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of free promo. You're right. We're doing free promo for Golden Batch. We're doing free prom- promo for Athletic Greens. But Athletic Greens... Actually, I will say this about Athletic Greens. They offered me like an Athletic Greens thing. What's the problem? You know what I mean? They're very, very generous people. I don't want to sell stuff. I I, I guess I I don't want to sell stuff. I don't want to say, hey, Athletic Greens is great and go buy it and all of that and use the promo code. I wanted to at first. But I don't want people to have to listen to me and go buy stuff because it works Don't do for promo me. codes. Listen. I don't do promo, promo codes. Code. You don't do the promo code. What do you do? You I don't, because like, I, I, love I agree with you. I, I don't like a promo code either. Like, and say 15% if you use my code. I don't like that. I, I think it's been years. Well, I mean, since we I've done do it that. here on this podcast. I just want to let you know. Like, no, no, no problem doing it. Yeah. No, no, no. That I get. But I mean, like, on social media, me standing there with the product. I'm not really into that. I understand that. But you genuinely like Athletic Greens. It's a part of your lifestyle. And you're often encouraging people to hop on board because you believe in it. So why not get paid to do that? It's like a TV commercial. It is. I mean, but I don't know. It's just too much of structure for me. You know, it's now. You're leaving money on the table. Athletic Greens. No, you're leaving money on it. Don't. Why are you so judgmental towards me? I'm trying to help you out. This isn't judgmental. That's true. This is trying to help you get that bag. That bag that bag? When you say when you think of the bag, do you think of the bag or do you think of that bag, D A T? The bag. Interesting. I think of that bag. <laughs> get that bag, nigga. <laughs> You cough. You cover your mouth when you cough. I covered my mouth when I coughed. And the only reason I, I have it. a cough is because you made me sick. I feel no responsibility. I don't feel anything. <laughs> it's true. I have, my dreams are getting progressively weirder. I dreamed last it's night. No it's bullshit. Sleep. It's asleep. Yeah, you're getting a lot of sleep. It's because I'm the king, because I'm the lucid dreaming. 
I dreamt last night that I was playing pickleball with Bokeem Woodbine. And me and Bokeem Woodbine, I swear on my dad, this is the real dream. Me and Bokeem Woodbine were talking about the fact. You have to explain who he is because remember remember that that meme that's like nobody knows his name, but he's been in every movie. Yo, can I tell you, (laughs) that is what the dream was about. So listen, you guys, when I tell you guys that I'm being for real, I'm not bullshitting at all. I, I, I swear. So in the dream, I started playing pickleball, right? Mm-hmm. And I was playing pickleball and I was on a pickleball court and the court was only like halfway. It was like too small. So we we weren't playing like real pickleball. And so then we moved to another pickleball court and I'm playing really good pickleball. I'm putting slice on the pickleball. I'm topspin on the pickleball. I'm good at pickleball. I'm doing my thing. And I hear a guy go, oh, you played before. And I turn around and it's Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> and me and Bokeem Woodbine are talking and I'm saying, hey, bro, I'm glad to see you here because I fuck with you. And I think that the kids nowadays, they need to know what a big deal you are. He's I'm good. I'm glad that you're having a comeback right now because Bokeem has been in a lot of things a lot. recently. Um, but I'm like, yo. I know you from Dead Presidents. I know you from uh, Jason's Lyric. Like all the movies that you were like a part of my youth, Bokeem Woodbine. And we're talking and then Bokeem Woodbine starts playing pickleball with us. And we're playing pickleball. Me, Bokeem Woodbine, and then against some white people. Who won? We're playing pickleball. I can't remember, but we're all, but it's like fancy pickleball. Like we're, it's like we're at Wimbledon. You had the outfits? We all, what were you wearing? All white, <laughs> all white, and we're playing pickleball, and the pickle or whatever the tennis ball, the pickleball is like a neon green, and it's it's yeah, but like a bright neon green, like we're playing pickleball in like a, almost another realm, and it's it's fun. We play have fun playing pickleball, and then I went to the mall after that. In the dream, and I was walking around the mall, getting lost, couldn't find where I was going, and that's the dream. I woke up. Dreams are getting weird for the king of sleep. The more sleep you get, I feel like that happens. Can you play pickleball? Yeah, I've played. I said, can you? I didn't ask you, have you? Can you? Like, are you decent? Jesus Christ! Sorry, I went. Wow. I went in the lawyer mode. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to be cross examined by rage. Like, excuse, no, that's not what I. That's not what I said. Counsel, uh, judge. I used to love to, to do that. I used to love that. Uh, what do you think my sleep score was last night? Uh, probably at a eighty-nine. Wow, it's improving. A ninety-six. On Monday, it was like a ninety-three. Score. 96 sleep score last night. Eight hours and 48 minutes of sleep. Eight hours and 48 minutes of sleep. 98 sleep score. I didn't even get six hours. Because you and, and you're sick. I know. And you're sick and you still won't but, do the right but thing. But the night before, I, pa- I went to bed at like eight. But I, I had to wa- I had to take out my braids. I had to wash my hair. You know that's the process. Also, though... You're still getting your circadian rhythm back. Like your 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 sleep is still probably a little fucked um, up. I actually know because what I did recommended by somebody when I flew back from Paris, I flew straight from Paris to LA, 
I didn't go to sleep the entire time. So when I landed in LA, it was three in the morning, Paris time. And so when I came home, I ate and I went to sleep. So I was pretty, and I did that for like three nights in a row. I went to bed at eight, woke up at like four-ish, and I was pretty decent. Why does Brian's body fat keep decreasing? What what's going on? You know, me and Tracy posted. Shout, shout out to Bytracial. We um we I went I did in the stacks live or the stacks oh, tour. Oh yeah. Which no, which one was it? Wasn't the stacks tour? It was it's a live. She's got it's the live show. I did a live, but it wasn't. It, I don't think it was the stacks tour because she has the stacks tour. I think this was something else I did. I did one for the books. Is what I one did for the books. Yeah. Um, it was so much fun. We play charades. She does a really um, fun show. She's great. Yeah. She's great. And I met her husband there. What is his name? Alexander? Yeah, Van, it's Alexander. No, what's his name? No, it's Alexander. Is his, is that his, really his name? It's his name, Alexander, right? What's mm-hmm. his husband's name? <laughs> Are you going to tell me the name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tracy's husband is a very nice guy. He's a doctor. I can't wait and- for her to hear this. Okay. Tracy's husband is a great guy. I like him a lot. It, why did I think his name was Alexander? Like, <laughs> you I just the, picked a white name. <laughs> that's just, not true. You did. Seriously, tell me his name, man. That's fucked up. <laughs> um Okay. And we we were we we met there and we talked and we talked about Brian. And how fit Brian is. Because it's it's nuts. We're his same age and it's not, it's you know. He saw he 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 remarked that I lost a little weight. He'd say, mm-hmm. Hey, you lost you lost weight, you look good, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, What about Brian though, man? It's like weird. And I was like, Brian works out like four hours a day. He's on the bar four hours. He doesn't. That bar is 30 minutes. But that's why he's trying to get you on it. It's 30 minutes. But Brian loses weight really fast. It's actually annoying. If he doesn't work out, he drops weight. He struggles right. trying to put keep muscle and weight on. Yeah, I know those people. You know, before we dismiss with pleasantries, I want to say something. The floor is yours. I've been listening to music, man. And Who's, who are you listening to? I listened to a lot of Rihanna recently. Okay. I listened to Consideration this morning. Keep it on back when you're breaking on down for me. I jab a dee boo ba doo. Ba dee with the breaking on down for me. I got to do things my own way, baby. Will you ever let me? Will you ever let me go? So, you like that record? You don't like that record? Yes. Keep going. You I don't like your rendition. I don't like your That's rendition. Good. Get it no peace. <laughs> okay, so I listen to that song. <laughs> SZA. I love SZA. SZA's the greatest, man. SZA's SZA really good. Might, SZA might be the top R&B artist of her era. Seriously. When did her era start? Probably like 2017, 2018. She might, I think SZA is the top R&B artist of her era. Uh, 
SZA and Summer Walker going back and forth for it. It's tough. It's tough between SZA and Summer Walker. So those are good choices. I pick SZA, but yeah, good choices. Yeah. Um, And then I listened to uh, Super Thug. Who's that? By uh, Noriega. You ever heard that record? Oh, no. Donnie. Yeah. What's your opinion? What's your opinion on Super Thug by Noriega? I honestly don't have an opinion on it. Do you know the song? I gotta look it up. Hold and on. that's what I needed Donnie to say. Donnie trying to. Y'all act don't up. know. Yo, wait, 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 no, wait. No, no, y'all no. don't know that fucking Super Thug. No. Hold on, I gotta play it. I gotta play that Super Thug for y'all. Donnie, how much Super Thug can I play before we get in trouble? I think like fifteen seconds. Let me get to the chorus. Get to the 15 seconds. He sounds so young. How old is the song? Y'all don't know that super thug? He sounds so young on it. Um, wow. No. It says 98. That doesn't ring a bell either. <laughs> Y'all Donnie. never heard super Donnie. thug? That sounds like Neptune's. That it is actually, Neptune. It did sound like Neptunes. That's Pharrell on the hook. All right, man. I was getting into that Super Thug this morning. That's it. Nothing That's else it. to say about okay. it. Okay. Let me give you one more time option uh, to figure out um, Tracy's husband's name. One more guess. Okay. <sighs> Think about it. There's too much pressure. Larry? Now, come on, man. You know it ain't no Larry. <laughs> you know it ain't Larry. It's, it's that was something like with the an L. worst guess ever. You... It's something with an L. No, it doesn't start with an L. Starts it, with an A? It is a short name. Does it, it doesn't start with an L or an A. What, what letter does it start with? J. Jason? Jake. It's Jay? Jake. 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 You'll never forget now. That's my guy. <laughs> Alexander. Now, I don't give a fuck what you I don't give a fuck what you said. Are their kids' names Alexander? That's a great big beautiful family, by the way. No, their kids' names are not Alexander. Um, shout out to, to Tracy. My brother-in-law's name's Alexander. I wonder if that's where you got that from. Maybe that's it. Like everybody on this on the panel that it was such a fun time. It legitimately was it, a great show. Yeah, honestly, if y'all have not checked out one of Tracy's live shows, it's like I always forget that she went to NYU and she is a, is in theater. And then when I do the live, when I go to a live show, I'm like, she's so good at this. This is ex- yeah, this is her space. It's a really really entertaining show. I'll be Donnie, there. Give, me I'll be doing it more, give me a little no! bit more super thug. Just a little bit more super thug, Donnie. Come on. Just give me a little bit more super thug. We passed that 15 second mark. I'm going to have to chop it up. Hold on one second. No, Donnie, you don't have to do a thing. Y'all don't remember that super th- y'all suck. You're early, not man. gonna make us remember it. We don't know. Big deal of the day on the other side of this. It's really no big deal. <laughs> we just talking about shit. All right, Elon Musk on the other side of the break. 
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, uh, Rachel, would you ever play for Twitter? I barely use Twitter as it is. What do you think? Okay. This is really a question for you. You are an avid tweeter. Is that what mm-hmm. I'm going to call you? Yeah. So I feel like this would impact you more. For me, this is nothing. I could disable my Twitter right now and be fine. I don't even know why I have Yo, it. give a fuck. Not at about all. Twitter. Um, okay, so no, I would never pay for Twitter. Uh, I would never pay a, a pay a cover to go into Walmart or into the grocery store. So I would never pay for Twitter. Twitter is an entree into things, and that's the way it's been. And I'm not going to pay. For, I will pay for things on Twitter, meaning I will pay for stuff that I see on Twitter that I would want. But Twitter is like walking into the store. I'm not going to pay a cover to walk into the store. That's it's, it's too much. If it had started that way, that would be one thing, but it's not that way now. I'm not going to pay for it. Uh, Elon Musk says that he might have to start charging for Twitter for uh, the X platform for people to to use it. You might have to start paying. Now, he was in a conversation with Benjamin Netanyahu, um, and this conversation was an interesting one because of the fact that the ADL has accused Twitter of giving cover to and providing a voice to a lot of anti-Semitic uh, content, basically saying that Twitter has become much more hate-filled since Elon Musk has taken over. Um, because of that, Twitter ad revenue is down because you know organizations like the ADL, other places have said that you know Twitter is now full of hate. And that has driven ad revenue away from Twitter. Now, because that ad revenue is gone, which I think it's down like 59 or 60 percent. Jeez. There has to be a way. It's a significant number. Yeah, it is. The, you know, Elon Musk taking over Twitter for all of the people out there that thought that that was going to be a big, uh, a great thing and that he was going to bring some of his big ideas to Twitter. It's been an abject fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. And there's no way around that if you have a shred of objectivity. It's been a terrible, terrible thing for Twitter, terrible for all of us, and terrible for Elon Musk. It had, has had ripple effects to Elon Musk's other businesses because he's been sort of tagged as the crazy Twitter guy rather than who he was before, which was a breakneck capitalist that, you know, was looking to exploit people as much as possible, like all of the rest of them. Uh, now, he said, we're moving towards having a small monthly payment for use of the X system. That's what he told Netanyahu. It's the only way I can think of to combat vast armies of bots. Now, in this conversation between Netanyahu um, and Musk, the topic of the anti-Semitism was broached. Netanyahu broached it in, I would say, a Don Corleone, very passive-aggressive way. 
saying, you know, I know that you don't stand for any anti-Semitism. And I know that that's something that you wouldn't want to have on Twitter. And I know that that's something that you'll be looking at and taking care of. Um, in response to that and other things, Elon Musk talked about the fact that he would have to start charging people for Twitter. So there's two reasons why I would never pay. Number one, I would never pay because I just simply don't believe in paying for a service that has worked perfectly fine in the iteration that it's been in since its inception. I think that that's yeah. ridiculous. Another reason why I won't pay is because Elon Musk is essentially asking people to supplement income that he lost from Twitter based upon the fact that he is now running Twitter like even more of the wild, wild west of hate-filled content. So it's typical that a guy in his position would try to uh, make the consumer pay for the fact that he actually is running the his business with no social responsibility whatsoever. And because of that, now you got to pay money because he doesn't want to do the right thing on the front or the back end of Twitter. Well, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Why do you think that the answer, and I think this just goes to how he's run Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. It's funny when you read it in articles, they always say X formerly known as Twitter. Like nobody wants to accept the fact that it's just X now. Always got to tie Twitter to it. Even we keep calling it Twitter. Why do you think the solution to ending hate speech or trolling or whatever it is, is to require people to pay a fee monthly? It doesn't make sense because with the verification process that he took away, which used to be great, now anybody can be verified if you pay, what is it, $8, $11, something like that. And it empowers people to be even more hateful. Okay, you'll get rid of certain bots, but it doesn't take away people hating on each other or are or, or using their platform in a, such a, in a derogatory way towards certain groups. I mean, this is the same man that when he took over Twitter, reinstated people who had been banned. Nothing Elon Musk is doing is combating hate speech. All you're doing is trying to make a dollar. And as you pointed out, supplementing your income that you've lost under the, under the guise of, oh, I'm trying to get rid of hate speech. A monthly income is not going to get rid of that. If he was, oh, I don't serious. know that he's. I don't know. I think he's trying to get rid of bots. I'm not so sure that this has anything to do with trying to combat hate speech. Well, then, what was the point of? Okay, because the question that he was asked in the interview was was referring to the or not the question, but the topic was referring to the ADL talking about how hate speech has increased, specifically anti-Semitic hate speech. So, or anti-Semitic speech, I should say. So his response to that is monthly fees to get rid of the bots as if the bots are the ones who are contributing to the hate speech. That's how point. I took that. And if you're, yeah. and the purpose, if the purpose is, okay, you'll get rid of bots because you'll make people pay. You're not getting rid of the problematic people who are behind the bots or who are paying already for the verification process. So they can use their platform in the wrong way. And the fact that you have reinstated people who are banned, they were banned for a specific reason shows that you don't care at all about the speech. It's about the dollar. Yeah. Well, I mean, he obviously doesn't care about the speech. The speech is, has been on the rise on Twitter slash X for a while. I think the Elon Musk conundrum is one that we see a lot 
with notable figures, political figures, media figures now. And that is them being caught in the middle of what actually works for a business and what they actually want to die on the cross for. Elon Musk calls himself a free speech absolutist. And most people that um, are hell-bent on injecting society with these bad ideas, uh, this dangerous speech, this hate-filled speech, that's the cross that they die on. I don't have any problem with free speech. I don't have any problem with free speech. But I also don't believe in the idea that I have to hear everything that everybody wants to say in order for them to be free. I don't want to hear that bullshit. I don't want to hear it, right? I, it's not that I don't want to hear ideas that I disagree with, right? Hearing ideas that I disagree with, I do that all the time. I seek ideas that I disagree with. But nigger, 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 I don't need to hear that unless it's coming from my grandfather. And he used to like to say it a lot. Um, but I, I don't I don't need to hear that. That's not that doesn't, in my opinion, promote or evolve free speech in America at all. Um, and if I want to dive into that, I want to be prepared for it and get myself ready for it. OK, so Elon Musk is both saying, hey, this has to exist and you have to be subjected to it in order for it to be free. Uh, and he's dealing with the fact that the consumer that's on Twitter, by and large, and the economic driver of Twitter, by and large, doesn't want to be party to that. And I think we see that everywhere. I mean, we see in government politicians advocating for principles that go directly against the polling of the majority of Americans, that go directly against the polling of their constituency sometimes. But it's more important for them to do these grandiose things to show how unwoke they are, far to the right they are, than it actually is to listen to the people that are either using the thing or existing in right. the area that they're supposed to represent. I mean, it's a wrap on X, formerly known as Twitter, especially when you have these competing, competing platforms now. If he truly makes this move to go against what people actually want and decides to charge a monthly fee, Nobody's using Twitter. Nobody's using it. There'll, be, there'll still be some people that'll see the news value in it. I'm it, not paying. Not I'm not to paying pay. the tweet. There'll still be some people that say, hey, Twitter. Twitter is an unbelievably valuable source for so many different things. It's an unbelievably valuable source to be up on things that are late breaking. Twitter is faster than the news on almost every form and function of news right now. Uh, Twitter is a place where you can suss out whether or not rumors are true or not. Twitter gives you, it's, it's very, very useful. It's very useful. However, paying for it right now to me is giving cover to someone who doesn't want to be responsible. And I don't think that I could do that. I wouldn't do it in a vacuum. And I don't think I, I can do it from a principal standpoint either. It's just, it's once again, it's asking to, you're riching somebody else. Sure. You're riching somebody more for their irresponsibility. And it's just too American for me right now. Can't do it. <laughs> it is. I mean, just making people richer because they're hyper irresponsible is so American right now. I just can't be that American. It's too it. American for me. Whatever, bro. Oh, 
Ooh, Rach. I know where your segue is <sighs> going into what it's going into, oh, and I don't like it. Speaking of America. <laughs> I know where you're going. Let's talk about America's team. Our friend Jim Trotter, who I love. Jim Trotter's great. Jim, Jim Trotter is the Colin Kaepernick of NFL media. He is... <laughs> Through his fight with the NFL, exposing so much about the way the NFL works and the problems that the NFL needs to address. Uh, He's a former NFL media journalist. He's accusing the league of refusing to address what he calls longstanding institutional discrimination. And he claims his contract was not renewed because he used to voice these concerns. Jim Trotter, as you guys know, was not renewed by the NFL a little while ago. He's now suing the NFL because of that, and this is why. He also claims that Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and Buffalo Bills owner Terry Pagula made some racially insensitive comments. Rachel, do you want to read the comments (laughs) that Jim Trotter says? Keep going. No, I don't. Keep read. Keep go ahead. Don't and, you think? Don't you think? I, I see that you took off your sweater and now you have your Dallas Cowboys shirt on. I got hot. It's getting <laughs> hot for the Cowboys. Okay, so literally while we were doing this, I want you guys to know something about Big Rach, MAGA Rach. <laughs> As we were doing this, Rach took off her sweatshirt so that her Dallas Cowboys shirt that she was it's wearing actually under a Dak shirt. It's got a big fucking star <laughs> on the sleeve. You did that as a show of force to the Cowboys, a show of solidarity. Okay? <laughs> solidarity to the Cowboys, a show of force. Uh, so this is what he says in response to an emphasis in social activism. This is what Pagula said. If the black players don't like it, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. That's allegedly what Terry Pagula said. We don't like what's going on here in America. They should go back to Africa. And see how bad it is. Go back to Africa. Continent that many of them have never been to. And a continent that most of them, probably most of them weren't born in. Go back to Africa. (laughs) This remark was so offensive and racist that the people in the meeting appeared to be frozen. Unsure of how to even react. Of course they would be. Mr. Trotter was speaking with Will McClay, the Cowboys vice president, player personnel about the fact that NFL teams tend to not draft many players out of historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, and whether that might be due to the lack of black people in personnel decision uh, making positions. You don't have a lot of black GMs, black scouts, uh, black people in those positions. So maybe they're not scouting the HBCUs. Maybe they don't know the talent that exists in the HBCUs. Um, in response to this the question was dodged and Jerry Jones came back saying that black people should be happy for what they have and not seek further advancement of their rights and positions in society Mr. Trotter then reiterated the question and Mr. Jones responded I'm starting to feel a little defensive Trotter kept on and Jones finally responded, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team 
and hire who they want to hire. So what you're seeing here is a conversation where Trotter is bringing up issues that he thinks are relevant and pertinent to the guts of the NFL. And he will not take no for an answer. He won't be placated. He won't be sidestepped. And he pushes and pushes and pushes until Jerry Jones says, you niggas need to buy your own team and you can do whatever you want. That's after saying that, uh, according according to Trotter, that we should be happy for what we have in the NFL and not push any further. Now, Jerry Jones has responded. He has said some of the reputation, representation is not accurate. It's just not accurate. That's what he said. Now, Jerry has been in the hot water before. We've talked about the Cowboys as being America's team, blah, 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 blah. Rachel, ongoing issues of racial animus and insensitivity and inequality in the NFL, and they have still taken the right away from a black man to be able to achieve his life's work, participate in his life's work as a football player because he stood up for black people. It's a fact. It's it's an inconvenient truth about the NFL. This is your team, your owner. What are your thoughts? And the Bills. Let me just put that out there. It wasn't just the Cowboys. Listen, I'm going to first say that Jim Trotter should be totally commended for what he's doing. That takes a lot of guts to stand up to the NFL He's suing them in federal court. He's suing for discrimination and retaliation. <clears throat> I think the NFL will ultimately try to settle with him. And, and this is what I this is what I love about Jim Trotter. He's not just talking the talk, he's walking the walk. And he even said that he's not going to complain about things that are wrong if he is unwilling to fight for what is right. I love that. I believe that. I think the NFL will try to settle with him because what they are not going to want is discovery to go out depositions to go out. Let's not forget the Gruden situation where the emails came out. They don't want that stuff to happen. It's, I mean, they settled with Colin Kaepernick. There's very damning information out there. So I commend Jim Trotter for putting his reputation, his career. I mean, he, he has a job at the, um, is it at the Atlantic, I think. Um, but putting all of that and risking it all for, to fight for what is right. So I want to commend him. It's getting harder and harder to fight for the Cowboys. Now, I can separate the Cowboys and the players and the team from Jerry Jones at times, but, I, but it's getting harder and harder to do that. I, uh, I should point out with both the Bills coach, I mean, uh, owner and the Dallas Cowboys owner that they deny saying this because we didn't say that officially. I have to say, we have to this, say that. I, I did say that. I did. You say said that, that with Jerry. That. You didn't say that with the Bills owner. And we have to say that. They're saying it's not true. That's all I'm going to say. However, you didn't read Jerry's comments after. And Jer- he, in addition to saying that the information is inaccurate, my first thought was, well, then tell us what you did say. If it's not an accurate representation, then what exactly did you say? Because the way that this is, it came out. He said it was inaccurate, an inaccurate representation. And then he goes on to talk about all the things that he's done for black people, specifically black people trying to get black owners and representation and diversity and ownership in the league. 
the more Jerry talks, the more damning it is, in my opinion. And I, I personally believe he made these comments. I can't take up for Jerry. The things that Jerry says, hold on, let me pull, the, let me, let me read these comments. The things that Jerry says after he talks about an inaccurate representation, he goes on to say, I spent a lot of time talking to them and showing them and talking to them, the them is referring to black people, minorities, about how they could get in the NFL. Then he says, nobody got in on a wing and a prayer any more than I did, and I really couldn't afford it. But I got into it. And as we look and see, and we do see the qualified potential buyers out here that can get involved. And that's when I, okay, forget that last line. Jerry Jones says that he got in on a wing and a prayer. Nobody got on a wing and a prayer more than he did. Jerry Jones started his business with a million dollar loan. When a couple of his businesses fell, he went to work for his dad's very successful insurance company as, as, an, as an executive vice president. Jerry Jones didn't is painting this picture as if he had no help and he's in the exact same position as black people and he was able to do it. So they should be able to do it too. That kind of comment right there makes me believe that exactly what Jim Trotter alleges in his lawsuit is true. And Jerry Jones actually believes that that's the case. When you can look it up and see it wasn't, he had help. He had the backing of his father's position, his father's money, a million dollar loan, advantages that were given to him because of what he looks like that aren't given to people who look like us. The fact that Jerry Jones said that he would carry, what was the co correct term? Carry Magic Johnson piggyback. Piggybacking to get him involved in the NFL. Jerry Jones really wanted to have minority because at the moment, there are 32 teams and there isn't one black person who has majority ownership in those 32 teams. If Jerry Jones was truly serious about representation. Who is the one black person that has majority ownership in the NFL team? I said oh, none. Oh, oh, none. Okay. Um, if Jerry Jones was truly serious about representation in regards to ownership, majority ownership in the NFL, then we would see what he's actually doing. It would actually happen. He is extremely influential as an owner in the NFL. It would actually be happening. He would, if he was, it makes it seem like he's mentoring. He's on this search to find representation. He just hasn't been able to find it. I That is not true. And the fact that he couldn't answer the question directly and othered it by talking about all the things that he's allegedly done to help Black people lets me know he said it. Hmm. Okay, so... So he said it. So how does that make you feel? What I mean, so it's the least surprising thing to me. I've never stood here and said that I didn't think that Jerry was a certain way. When we talked about that picture with Jerry watching the, those black high school students walk into that school, I, I was against. I know. I know. I know. I, I'm not I, I'm jokingly talking about you specifically, but I'm really not talking about you. I'm talking about. And this is a frustration. Yeah. It's a frustration. So, okay, so they're racist owners in the NFL who have fostered a racist culture that um, marginalize, demean, mistreat not only the black players, 
by and large, but people uh, in NFL front offices, women in the NFL front offices, there is maybe the strongest good old boys network in the NFL ownership um, committee uh, this side of Congress. Those are probably the two of the strongest good old boy networks in America. The question isn't whether or not that's true. The question is, what do you do? Do we ignore this because football is ingrained into our culture? NFL football is ingrained into our culture. It's a part of who we are, a part of what we grew up on. Um, or do we demand better? And, you know, this is what brings me back to the Colin Kaepernick thing. I will always go back there because there it's not whether or not people want to continue to watch the games. That's not the big deal to me. Um, it's not about that. It's about the fact that people in that particular instance, which I'm sure they'll do with Jim Trotter here at some point in the near future, in that particular instance, chose to look at everything that revolved around the player and what was happening rather than what was revolving around the league. So every inconsistency that they'd see with cap stance, every and Eric Reed's stance, because remember, Eric Reed still hasn't played either, right? Every inconsistency that they would see, the settlement they would use, the Jay-Z situation, anything that they could use to find cover for the fact that they need their entertainment, that they need their football, is what would happen. I'm sure that that's probably going to happen to Jim Trotter at some point, too. The point isn't whether or not people are going to continue to watch football. That's not the that's not the point, right? We're going to continue to live in America, the majority of us, um, knowing about the systemic inequality and the cultural inequality and the societal inequality that we deal with. We're going to be here, right? It's not about that. The question is about whether or not we make that our problem, which is like kind of what we did in the Colin Kaepernick situation. It was like, oh, he did this wrong. He did that wrong. I didn't understand that. I didn't, I, I don't get that. And it's like, we, we, we gave cover to the fact that they actually are racists. So everything that they were doing, they actually did do. But unless you fight it or talk about it or address it in a perfect way or a way that is in complete lockstep with what everyone thinks that you should be doing, then we'll be like, no. And that's because we like football. Here's the thing with Jerry Jones. This is a black guy saying that Jerry Jones and Terry Pagula said these things. It's not a bit. And this is look, I, I'm joking around when I when I when I talk to Rachel about this because she's a Cowboys fan. But like I'm saying any person that's a fan of any NFL team, the question should shouldn't be whether or not there's a race problem in the NFL. The question shouldn't be about whether or not you like football. The question should be about the solution to the race problem in the NFL. That's the question. The question is, all right, cool. Jerry Jones did this. Y'all going to watch the Cowboys anyway. Fine. What do you do? Terry Pagula said this. You're going to watch the Bills anyway. What can you do? What can you do? You're going to live in America anyway. There's going to be racism here. What do you do to limit its effect on you or to change the structures that allow it to rampage people's lives 
like unimpeded. And so like that's the thing. The thing is, and that's why I, I get so frustrated when I hear people talk about everything that any of those players that Eric Reed would have maybe got wrong, that Cap maybe got wrong, that any of the players that were kneeling got wrong. Like you're turning the victims into the perpetrators sure. and we do that every single time. So let me ask you this. You talk about what can you do? Colin Kaepernick took a knee. He didn't want to be out of the NFL. He wanted to make a point. He wanted to bring awareness to injustices that people like him are facing in this country. He wanted to start the conversation. He wanted there to be change. <laughs> Did not want to leave the league. They forced him out the league. He filed a suit. They, they settled. We don't know the terms of the settlement, right? Now you have Jim Trotter. Chip Trotter works for NFL Network. He did not want to stop working for NFL Network. He wanted to use his position to call out certain injustices that were happening and are still happening when it comes to uh, black people in front office, black people on the executive level, black people making decision makers when it comes to media. And every single opportunity he got a chance to confront it, he used his platform to do that. He is now suing. He could possibly take a settlement or he could go to trial. And I, when you talk about change, when you settle the terms of what was discovered or what evidence you have, all of that gets wrapped up in the settlement and you never know anything. I actually think it would make a huge, Brian Flores right now, right now has a lawsuit out about discrimination when it comes to coaches. I think it would be a huge statement to not settle and to actually make this be public and go to trial. And that could actually do more damage in a way that we haven't seen before in hurting the pockets of the NFL and ownership. We haven't seen it. You don't agree? You're shaking your head. Because I, I, I said, because I, I said, because I said Colin Kaepernick settled. Is that why? It's not about that. It's not about that. I understand it. Um, I think it's a prickly precedent to set i do understand what you're saying and by the way i felt the same way i felt wow because this was what i was thinking i was thinking the suit goes to uh goes to trial um in the case of colin kaepernick specifically the suit goes to trial uh it is blown up right um or arbitration i don't know the terms it could be trial operation whatever it, it, it's blown up Everyone sees it. Everyone hears about it. And then if Colin Kaepernick wins his suit, then he essentially would have destroyed the CBA. And if he destroyed the CBA, that brings the NFL to its knees. You got to negotiate a new CBA because they broke the CBA. The owners are in breach. Um, and then you have a new world order in the sport. All right. I get that. And that's what I thought was going to happen. And I think that's what, a lot of people thought that it was going to happen. It was what was going to happen? Um, I think for me, fixating on that it alleviates the fans' responsibility because there are so many different cases where I could say, "Okay, this person settled," and what they should do is be on a crusade for truth. And there are people who are on a crusade for truth in all types of lawsuits 
There are people that are involved in environmental lawsuits that won't accept settlement checks. There are people that are involved in political lawsuits that won't accept settlement checks, right? But then there are people that are accusing people of sexual harassment, sexual assault, all different types of things, and they settle for various reasons. One reason being that to fight an entity that has a lot more money than you would be financially draining to you. And there is no guarantee that you will win that suit. What are you uh, for who? The plaintiff? They don't pay. Right. No, but you but you'd have to pay lawyers no, to you fight don't. against the NFL. Not if you're a plaintiff. You don't. They get wait. a percentage of your suit. No, what I'm what I'm saying is, well, wait. To fight if you are in a lawsuit against somebody, right? Like you're paying someone for rep- for legal representation, are you not? Not on the plaintiff side. When they fought, when you file, like when you sue someone, a civil suit, they take, so like, let's just say a car accident, right? Or class action, whatever. You're suing because they put lead in their toys. Those people, those plaintiffs don't pay their lawyers. The lawyers, the reason they get a big, a 30 to 40% cut of whatever the settlement is. Yeah, but I'm not is. talking about a class action suit. I'm talking about, I'm suing You're you. You're talking about a civil suit. I'm, ta- yeah. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like Tasha K, like, Cardi B sued Tasha K. The lawsuit to sue Tasha K cost Cardi B. Cardi B won the suit. The lawsuit to to sue Tasha K costs Cardi B like a million and a half dollars because she had to pay her lawyers. Yeah. So like, but what was that? that, What were the charges in that? I mean, the I mean the the charges she was suing her for defamation, but she had to pay lawyers. We're both right, Van. When it comes to paying lawyers' fees in a civil suit. A lot, I did a lot of personal injury. So in a lot of personal injury, it works on a contingency basis. It depends the lawyer that you retain. It depends what they do. So they can work for you on a contingency basis. They can charge a flat fee or they can charge you an hourly rate. I don't know what Flores attorneys are charging or what they're doing. And I don't know what Jim Trotters are, but we are both right. Even what you just said, I think it's an interesting way to look at it because it essentially says if this person doesn't do this in this specific way, right, then we don't have any responsibility as fans of this sport, of this entity, of whatever, to hold the people in power accountable. Because if Jim Trotter or Colin Kaepernick or Eric Reed or Brian Flores really wanted change, then they wouldn't settle. I just don't, I don't understand why we do each other like that. It's like, I've heard so many people say, like Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, whoever, they took the settlement, so that means it's over. No, that doesn't mean that it's over. It certainly doesn't, it's not over to the NFL because if the settlement meant that it was over to the NFL, then they would not still be blackballing those guys even after the settlement. It's not over to them, then why should it be over to us? And Jim Trotter or Brian Flores or whomever else sues this league or whomever else sues anybody or approaches anyone that has power and tries to be made whole from them. I just don't know how that's it's a weird precedent for me. It's a weird thing for me. And and I've heard a lot of people say it. And by the way, when it first came out, I was the same way. I was like, huh, it was surprised to settle. But you settled on the label dispute. But if they continue to victimize somebody after, then I think we should still kind of be cognizant of that. I think relying too much on 
you're, what should happen, you're right, is that we should say, hey, what's happening, what the NFL is doing, you know, like there's systematic racism, there's un unfair treatment, there's discrimination, they retaliate, there's retaliation when people speak out, there's collusion. When we, we should say, hey, we're not going to watch or we're going to hit, we're going to hurt their pockets. But collectively, it's just not going to happen. So my point is, if you're going to fight the fight, like I'll use just Brian and Jim because they they currently have lawsuits, then why not see it through rather than take the settlement that the NFL can hide behind or the owners can well say the owners can hide behind because you know they have the money to settle. It's the richest league. It's billions of billion dollar league. I don't even know the, 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 know the exact statistics. Billions of billions of dollars. They have the money to hide behind a settlement. And it's no sweat off their backs to pay it and tell you to go away. So my thing is, if it's put out there more, that could be another way to combat it so where you can't continue to do this because they do have to pay attorney's fees. They do have to, on the defense side, that's a fact. They have to pay attorney's fees. They're going to have to sit in depositions. They're going to have to submit discovery as long as the claim is, is valid and continues through and the judge doesn't throw out the case. They're going to have to do all of that. And that puts them on front street in a way that we haven't seen before. That's what I'm saying. Okay, if you're depending on the fans to do it, that's just never going to happen. It's just not. Well, it's, well if it's never going to happen. It's not that it should. It should. It, if it, well, I, look, number one, there was a time when the viewership of the NFL had decreased surrounding all of this stuff. Now, there's something to be argued whether or not it had decreased because of uh, people's animus towards the league based uh, on what Colin and the rest of the players were doing or whether or not people were turning it off on the right because they got sick of watching people kneel and all of that. But it had affected the ratings of the league and the league money and capitalism. It's not smarter than, uh, um, than the American people. It's just more dedicated. America is more dedicated to making money than it is to anything else. So, if I'm being being quite honest, the money and the lure of the league was too much for Jay Z to say no to. It was too much for a lot of other people to to turn down. Right? It was too much for it. So they can bring somebody in, and then they the person comes in, and then when they come in, that gives cover to the league and whatever it is that they're doing. Nothing has changed. Flores is telling people that, like uh, um, Jim Trotter is telling people that nothing has changed, and I suspect. That if these gentlemen saying the things that they're saying right now wouldn't change anybody's perspective on things, then certainly nothing that would come out during discovery in a, a, a trial or um, um, a lawsuit would change anything either. If either Jerry Jones said these things or he didn't say them, it's all right there. So if you find out that he really did say them, are you going to stop watching the, the, the league then? Would that be enough? What would be enough? If we're going to watch football no matter what, then we're going to watch football no matter what. The question becomes, is there some way to hold these people accountable? Is there some way to deal with this? Is there some way to address this that involves us showing some solidarity? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. Here's the thing, though. If the answer is no, then this is what I would tell people. You're now choosing to be a nigger. You're choosing it. Because there is there is both what you're thrust into and then what you choose. 
if you say, hey, racism, inequality, all of these things, I'm sure that they're bad, but fuck it. I like doing this. That's fine. And we've all made that choice in the past, but now you're choosing to be somebody's nigger. You're choosing it now. And if the NFL has said, hey, we're going to give you this choice and football is on one side and then the other side is actually holding people accountable for racist ideas and you choose football, you've made your choice. And I just think that we need to be honest about that because I think sometimes it's unfair to a Trotter or to a Reed or to a Brian Flores or to any of these people when we like pick apart the way they went about things with a fine tooth comb so that we make ourselves feel better about watching the games. That's all. That's all I'm saying. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Do you like to shoot guns? <laughs> yeah. Well, you might not be able to shoot them for too much longer because the liberals is coming for your guns. <laughs> the White House has announced its first ever Federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Wow. Joe Biden is creating the first ever federal office of that. Uh, according to people familiar with the plans, it will be announced Friday. We're recording this on Thursday, so it'll, it'll be tomorrow when, when this happens. Um, the office fulfills a key demand of gun safety activists who banded together. It's a coalition to enjoy, endorse Joe Biden for president 2024. It's an effort by the White House to keep the issue front and center as the president pushes for a ban on so-called assault weapons and urges Congress to act. Let me ask you this. What would this thing, this new thing have to do, in your opinion, to substantively uh, um, uh, make, substantively address, should I say, uh, gun violence in America? What would they have to do? Oof. What would the administration have to do or what would this just, this new office... This- this new office, right, which is uh, there to tackle the problem. What do we want them to do? Like putting somebody in charge of it is one thing and, and devoting an office to it is one thing. Like, what do you want them to do? Donnie, I want to hear you on this, too, because you grew up in the fucking slums. Um, like what what would this office? What do we feel like this office should be doing? I feel like the assault rifle ban should be making more progress in Congress. Um, I don't know what it looks like to make that progress a reality, but I feel like at after, um, of, I don't know a timeline either, but I feel like this office should eventually have those things like 
actually moving forward as opposed to just being stagnant. Um, and the same with like background checks, like common sense uh, laws when it comes to uh, gun violence. I feel like if this office makes those things more of a reality, then it's a success. Now, what that actually looks like, I don't know. And when you look at this actual announcement, it's kind of vague as to what they're going to do. Um, or what so, they can the do. Thing. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, we should say we should be fair. There really hasn't been an announcement. This is coming from source, sources that there's going to be an announcement. So we're still waiting for the nuts and bolts of what it is that they are going to affect. And let's also add that the that this information is coming out after gun safety, a gun safety coalition decided to back President Biden for the 2024 election. Then thereafter, this information came out. So I don't know what they can do. The timing of it. I know you say there hasn't been an announcement, but the timing of this information coming out, knowing that this group just decided to back him for president, that they're not separated from one another. So is this is this office, can it do anything? Will it do anything? Or is it just being implemented to look good, to satisfy this group that just decided to back Biden for president? Hmm. Um, all fair points. I think a couple of things here can be done. Obviously, what Donnie is talking about is going to take some legislation. I don't know what the nuts and bolts are on whether or not the Democrats or the left will have the votes to do any of that stuff. Obviously, it's going to be tough to get an assault weapons ban through the House. It's going to be hard. Like it's, you know, there was a bipartisan gun um, act that came through not too long ago. But the polling suggests now that um, a lot of the support for actions of that type have waned. Um, but you know, you never know. Um, unfortunately, if X amount of kids get shot up someplace, maybe it'll jump back on people's, um, radars again. Of course, it takes that type of horror in this country to remind people of the reality of the situation that we're living in. I think a couple of things, uh, need to happen. Number one, everything that you are saying, Donnie, that definitely needs to happen. The access to the guns, the background checks, all of that stuff, particularly in states that have recently laxed or, excuse me, eased a lot of those restrictions. You know, we're, we've talked about it here on Higher Learning um, in places throughout the Midwest and South. They've really gone backwards in restricting people's access to guns uh, in different situations and some situations that are really ridiculous that are really ridiculous. Some of these laws that have been put on the books are straight up anti-gun safety laws. Like saying that you don't even have to be responsible for your gun, saying that I can lend my gun to somebody else that then commits a felony and I don't have any sort of culpability in that. That is just wildly irresponsible, just wildly irresponsible. And we've seen laws like that on the books all over the place. I will say this, I'm I'm interested to see in what this new gun safety prevention gun violence bureau or whatever it is and what they do from a preventative standpoint what i'm always interested in when we talk about gun violence and we're we're dealing with it i'm always interested in what you're willing to do for communities before they're subjected to gun violence like dealing with the guns that are on the street now is one portion of this. It's one part of it. It's, yeah, 
We need to have less guns on the street. We need to have less significantly destructive guns on the street. We need to talk about capping the capacity of magazines, right? We need to talk about dealing with uh, things like ghost guns. And we need to be able to deal with guys who go out there and 3D print guns. And we need to look at ammunition sales. And we need to also deal with the 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 other types of musicians fucking in places where grenades and grenade launchers are lawful we need to take specific weapons of war and then look at them and ask the question about whether or not americans need to have access to that type of thing to be quote-unquote free in a society right we need to look at all of that stuff uh but we also need to look at the situations and the conditions that create gun violence in this country both from a mental health standpoint and from an economic standpoint. And if you're not addressing that, when you're trying to look at preventing gun violence, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it unless you address some of these other things. Um, and I'm just interested to see in what they're talking about. If they're talking about another police bureau to throw up, throw the bad men in jail for half, it's not, it's not going to work, right? Um, but if we actually are coming to this trying to have big ideas about what the answers to these 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 problems are then we'll understand that there are a bunch of different places that we need to address this in order for it to be successful i mean rachel your point about the impetus for doing it is it's very well taken it, it, i would hate to be cynical enough to believe that this is a publicity stunt Leading no. up to an election. Listen, but 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 no, no, by, by, by the way, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be. I'm just saying that it's definitely tied would, to it. But I don't want to take yeah. away the fact that there has that he has fought for legislation. He has fought against a ban of assault rifles. There are things that, and I'm sure that's why this this coalition has said we want to support him because he has done things under his as the president to show that he is about gun safety and wants to see that implemented in this country. I'm just also saying the timing is interesting. And then my next th thought is, it's great that you have this new office that's dedicated to this cause, but what can they really do? That's what I want to know. Like, what can they do? I want to see an office that can act, that is working to figure out what they can do and then actually do it. Not just ideas. Right. That's, that's actually one of the key questions. Yeah. It's like, what is actually possible. Like, what can be done? All right, uh, before we move on to Jamel, I do want to talk about real quick, uh, we're not going to talk about Tim Scott. He's got a girl. Are you dating Wait, Tim Scott? I, it's not me. I'm married. But I know people don't think that, but I'm married. But you can't whoa, talk about- Whoa, why'd you diss yourself? No, I said people don't think that. You know how people always like are like, oh, she's not. But you can't, you can't just fly by Tim Scott saying that not that he has a girlfriend, that he's, quote, dating a lovely Christian girl. But you can't say that without saying that the Washington Post guy, Ben Terrace, who interviewed him, said that Scott said that his new girlfriend participates in Bible study and pickleball matches with him. Scott declined to reveal her name. But he did, but Terrace noted that he could not verify if she actually exists. Sure. <laughs> That's the best part. So now we gotta jump into it. The GOP, the GOP has been on Tim Scott's ass. Tim Scott, they reminded Tim Scott that he's black again. It's very interesting. The, D, the GOP They do this with Lindsay too, though. They do this with Lindsay. About the, about. Not dating Speculation me, about not being their, 
yeah. not being married. So this is calm the, down. <laughs> the subtext here is the question is whether or not Tim Scott is gay, and that seems to be what members of the GOP are interested in. Uh, he's unmarried, um, and a lot of people look at that as an indication that he's into guys. And you can't have that, right, in the GOP. You can't have that from a leader. Black and gay. Jesus Christ. The hell are we doing? It's it's end times. Um, So he had to deal with it. And this is what he had to say. Go ahead and run it. And I'm going to start this off before I get into policy with a little bit of a personal question. Yes, ma'am. All right. So other than your mama, is there any special lady Uh -uh. in your life? Yes. So if you haven't read about her yet, I don't, I'm not sure why not. It's been one of the more asked questions recently. I do. I'm being a lovely Christian girl. One of the things I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ is it points us always in the right direction. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds Lord. a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So can we just pray together for me? So, yes. He was joking about the prayer. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm so sick of him. <laughs> like, I just, the quoting of the scriptures, I'm sick of it. We get it, Tim Scott. You're a Christian. And you're dating a Wait, Christian. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sick of him. Is it, I'm so, everything that he goes back to is the fact that he's a Christian. We get that that's a talking point for you. I don't know. It just, it's so, it, it doesn't seem genuine to me at all. I'm so sick of it. I'm dating a lovely Christian girl. Oh, Proverbs, blah, 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 says this. I'm sick of it. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this this comes this comes during the time uh, that he is just on life support, guys. Uh, <laughs> in terms of Quote his presidential run, five thirty eight has Trump in first, fifty five point three percent. DeSantis in second, Vivek Ramaswamy in third, Nikki Haley in 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 fourth, Pence in fifth, Christie in sixth, and Tim Scott. 2.4% of Republican polling right now has Tim Scott uh, for president there. Um, so th- this is the deal. Um, a lot of this stuff ebbs and flows. Uh, the, the biggest bump after that first debate was for Nikki Haley. She is a very live contender here. Obviously, Trump is dominating this entire thing. My question for Tim Scott, w- the next one, after he talked about his Christian girl, it would have been just a very simple question. And the question is, do y'all fuck? That's what I would have asked. I don't want to ask. Well, just wait a second. This is very important. Look. The good it, book it, it, says. The good but, but, book but says. But wait. I would like it if, if, if we're going to be ridiculous, let's be all the way ridiculous. Right? <laughs> because it's a ridiculous thing to ask really about his love life Absolutely. at this particular point. It's ridiculous. And I'm glad that Tim Scott has said, he said they can't get me on the black thing. Now they're trying to get me on the gay thing. I, I, nigga, don't be black now. You ain't never been black before. You said that there was no racism in America. And if there's no racism in America and if America's not a racist country, then surely it must not be a homophobic country. So don't come to the back of the bus now. Stay up there with them and do your thing. But I would have asked them, how is the sex, the Christian sex? You know what I mean? Like how, how? Like how is it? Like what happens? Do they soak? Are they into so? You know soaking. You know what soaking is. Of course. 
Do they soak? Are they soaking? I bet he's soaking his ass off. That's so disgusting I bet Tim's- to me. The name, the 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 act. <laughs> Donnie, are you aware of soaking? Do you know what soaking I is? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Rachel's using the bathroom right now. All the soaking now. talking. All the soaking <laughs> talking. <laughs> so, what are you, what's your opinion of soaking? Are, are we all aware of what soaking is, and 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 what what do we think of it? I think to each his own. I'm not gonna, you know. Uh, kink shame i do think that uh soaking doesn't it does qualify as sex if the argument is whether or not that's a way to still keep one's virginity i think that that's not how you do it yeah it's i learned about it because the mormons are into soaking they like to soak yeah i think it was a byu thing it was a byu that's where i learned of it too Wait a minute, you went to BYU and you soaked it up? <laughs> no, that's just where I learned what it was called. I've never been to Utah. I, Tim Scott looks like a soaker. Anyway, <laughs> Listen. Super soaker. That's his we- new nickname. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> super soak, super soaker Scott. The Tim Scott, the super soaker. I mean that's he, he looks like a soaker. Are we not gonna talk about the fact that when she was asking him that question, she was like, in addition to your mama. Did you not find that? <laughs> is there clip. is there a special? Yeah, Donnie, play the clip. Play the clip. Just just to that point, please. And I'm going to start this off before I get into policy with a little bit of a personal question. Yes, ma'am. All right. So, other than your mama, yeah. is there any special lady in your life? Nah. <laughs> I'd have hit a bad. I'd have hit her with a bitch. Are we not going to talk about that? Nah, that's right. Nah, Rachel, that's a good point. I'd have hit her with a bitch. My mama, bitch. Like you know, you don't in, say in addition that. to my Stop. mama, yeah. In addition to my mama, and you know, you, you, yeah. You say use the term mother. Exactly. You don't talk about my mama that familiar. Talk about pretty and hair. And I like bet that. he it was like just she, was she wasn't talking about pretty. I know she wasn't talking about pretty hair. But you know, I didn't see the video on that. But I'm sure he was just grinning ear to ear when she said mama, not even realizing what she was doing. Boy, that's a truthful nigga. I don't know if he being truthful, but he definitely being truthful. <laughs> That's a truthful nigga right there. When Tim, when Tim Scott give you the teeth, he give you the teeth. That's a truthful nigga. Please be quiet. Jesus Christ. Um. All right. We got we got Jamel Charlo coming up right now. The fight is September thirtieth. Showtime pay per view. Charlo versus Alvarez. Other side of this break. Thirty minutes with Charlo. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was 
a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Historic fight happening. Historic fight happening September 30th, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a matchup between two undisputed champions. 154-pound undisputed champion, Jamel Charlo goes up against, you know, really the kind of, I don't know, the big bad wolf of boxing maybe? I don't know. I don't know. That's how they make him seem like he's the big bad wolf of boxing. You know, he's the 168 undisputed champion. You guys all know who he is, Canelo Alvarez. We happen to have Charlo with us today on Higher Learning. Going up against the big bad wolf, brother, how are your spirits like do you you're jumping up two weight classes? Everybody's like, oh my God. And you're trying to be like Sugar Ray and all of the rest of the guys is too. They're like, this is such a big deal. I'm looking at you right now. You don't look scared. Are you just pushing the fear way down? Or 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 what's going on? Everybody feel everybody saying you should be so afraid of this challenge, man. What's the deal? Uh, I don't know, man. It's I'm no no nowhere close to being scared. You know what I mean? I wouldn't I wouldn't have signed up for this if I was uh fear of any men. So um uh, I'm excited. It's been a long journey, it's been a long training camp and um a lot of rough, rugged rounds in the gym, a lot of training. Just want to push myself. Mm-hmm. How do you train going up two weight classes? How do you train for that? What do you do? Um you you kind of gotta like you know, play, uh, you know, play it by ear, but play close attention. Um, going up two way classes don't, don't mean you could just stuff your face and eat whatever you want. You gotta, you know, still make the, the, you know, correct moves on the kind of eating, because if you don't, you'll end up being too big, being too slow. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about keeping the speed, also putting on the power. Um, it's been, it's been real, you know, strategic going into this part. You know, as Van said, everybody's talking about the fact that you went up two weight classes to do this fight. What does this fight mean to you in particular, and what will a win mean for you? Uh, this, you know, this fight right here is a legacy statement made fight. You know, like I, I believe that it puts on, you know, uh, the a different face in boxing. It also shows my career and what I've been through and where I'm at now. It also you know, graduate you from being, you know, just a, a, a young, hungry prospect to a champion to a or to a contender to a champion, but to a like a elite veteran. And so um, you know, when they speak on Jamel Solo, uh win, lose, or draw, they they know they're dealing with with a, a, a dominant um a fighter. And you do it for H Town. Yeah. Texas too. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Here's the thing, though. This is what I don't like. This is what I don't like. This is what I don't like. What? First of all, okay. First of all, number one, I could claim him too because he's from Louisiana. He was born in Louisiana, so if I yeah. want to, so okay, I'm from Baton Rouge. Could... So I'm so, okay. so what I'm saying is we could claim Lafayette. That's number one. So you, before you do the Texas thing, and then number two, 
Stay on the Dallas side. Wait a minute. We know y'all don't really get along. Wait a minute. That's not true. Because isn't Earl your boy? That's not true. And my family's from Houston. So don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry. You live in Dallas? I'm from Dallas. I'm from Oak Cliff. Yes. Okay. That's where Coach Derek from. Uh, Derek James is from Oak Cliff. We all family. Thank you. Spoken like a true Texan, Van. Stop showing out for the company. (laughs) Um, Now, look. Mm-hmm. Big fight, bro. I mean, yeah. Canelo is somebody that really steps up to a lot of different challenges himself. You know, I joke around about Canelo Alvarez, but this is a guy that's gone up to 175 and taken fights, won some, lost some. This is a guy that's moved up in his career. He started off at 154, went on to win at middleweight, at super, at light, all of that. Um, what would it mean for you to beat him? Because even though I say he's boxing's big bad wolf, he's really more boxing's money guy. Mm-hmm. And when you look at him, do you just think cash? Because if you take that crown off his head in this manner in front of everybody with your personality and your swagger, a lion, then you could be the number one money fighter in boxing. Does it ever think about you that this may be hundreds of millions of dollars? waiting on the other side of this fight is that the way you look about it look at it is it the money uh, or is it wanting to take his belts that is motivating you right now um uh no I, I it definitely can't be money because you know i i never really look at myself like hey look i'm gonna be the cash cow like the, uh, of the sport um i'm not looking at it like oh i'm gonna be the face of boxing i you know i, I look at it more like I want to be great as well. You know, everyone consider him great. He fought a lot of fighters. He fought top champions. Um, and I think that's what, that's the real biggest thing about him is he, he's put on some magnitude, some massive magnitude of fights. So it's just make it, you know, I want my, my moment. Like I want my moment to come. And so a fight like Canelo could be the stepping stone and the starting step of any other fight that I, I, I you know, Portraying, I'll be become one of the best, you know, you know, faces of the sport. Just more like, more like that. I'm not motivated by the money because I'm getting paid already. I'm, I'm already undisputed. I'm, um, I'm destined and, and and promised for so many, you know, so many different things. So I'm, um, you know, just being able to say, you know, I'm gonna go two way division. I'm, I'm, I see a guy that's strong. He, he, he make, you know. Great decisions when he fighting. He he don't just run in there like I'm the biggest baddest whoop. I'm gonna go in and just knock everybody out. You know, um, everything is set up real precise. So I, I, you know, me saying that I've been in boxing since I was eight years old. Like I'm testing myself. So I think this is one of the biggest things about it is that I get to really, really test who I am and what I come with and what I what I bring to the sport. Mm. I think a lot of people are wondering since since you are going up to weight classes. <clears throat> Does this matchup, the style matchup, favor you or Canelo? Does it? Does this? Will this matchup favor a particular fighter? Well, I know that Canelo is already one sixty eight, and he usually fights at one sixty eight. Um, one seventy five, he wasn't victorious. Um, he won his titles at one sixty eight. He's the champion at one sixty eight. So, I think him moving up in weight, me moving up in weight. Could easily favor him because he knows how what to get comfortable at after the weigh-ins. After going down 
make 168, he knows where to where to go. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I got to kind of play with it, let my body just be what it is and let it do what it do. And so um, in, in that atmosphere, he's favorite. Um, as far as speed um, and power, I feel like, you know, speed, obviously, I, I, I take advantage of it because I'm obviously coming from 54 and moving up in 160. You know, my power is really um, ahead of 154. Um, but, you know, some fights, you know, you got to, you know, so different things and, and every fight is different. So with a Canelo fight, like you don't just go in there and fight one, you know, one dimensional. You can't you got to go in there with power. You got to go in there with speed, uh, speed and and uh, good head movement, defense. Everything got to be on point when, it, when you fight Canelo and actually to beat him. So look, uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of people are picking you to lose this fight. A lot of people saying coming up in weight, two weight classes, that's too tough. I know what that's like, okay? 95, I had a beef at school, dude named yeah. Roderick. And all day long, everybody was saying, Van, Roderick gonna kick your ass. You know what I mean? All day long, I was waiting for it. It motivated me to where after the bell rang, at the end of school, I actually called my brothers and three of us stomped Roderick the fuck out because you ain't about to make me look bad in front of the whole school. Now, you can't you do that. Three, you needed three of y'all? Well, <laughs> it, 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 well, look, well, look, I didn't take no chances, all right? Look, before you judge me, Jamel, just let me know. I was 14 at the time. This dude was like 17 or 18. He wasn't no excuses. My grade. Now, look, I had to do what I had to do, all right? We we, we got with him. We got you with and him. two other people. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I counted as a W, all right? <laughs> now, you can't bring your brother in the ring with you, who, in case our audience doesn't know, is also a sensational fighter. Mama raised two champions. That is an amazing thing. Um, But you do have to beat people's perceptions mm-hmm. that, you cannot beat Canelo Alvarez. How do you deal with the fact that everybody is expecting you to lose? Most sharp boxing money is looking for Canelo Alvarez to beat Jermel Charlo. And I don't know from having followed your career, and I followed it for a long time, if you've ever been in that position before where most people expected you to lose a fight as a pro, what has that been like for you? Um, yeah, I think I've, I've been in that position a few times in my career. It just, okay. uh, um, I don't know, you know, what, what, what's the difference? I've, I've, to me personally, I always had fighters that, you know, was, was good. Um, I fought Bernard Hopkins' nephew, Bernard Hopkins, he worked for the promotional company and I was the A side, Bernard Hopkins' nephew was the B side, um, because I had already had a continental title. Um, and he was 33 and one at that moment, mm. at that point, you know, and I was, I was young somewhere like 20 fights or less. Um, so I've been in positions where I had to fight undefeated fighters. You know, um, I, I was doubted when I fought Erson er, Lubin and, um, which is on yeah. the undercard. I was doubted then he was, 18. that was quick work. That was quick work though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's only after the fight, it was quick work before yeah. the fight. Charlo is coming to lose against somebody that uh, PPC Al Heyman had promises for, and um, and so on. So uh, it's been it's been a bunch of fights where you know they thought that I wasn't gonna pull it off and, and or edge it, and I did. So 
Um, I believe in myself, and I, I just ain't never really listened to a lot of the critics and a lot of the uh, people that, you know, are the supporters and the journalists and writers behind the, the scenes that never boxed before. They make their own decisions. Canelo Alvarez has shown a lot, though. He's proven to a lot of great fighters that, you know, he the wrong one to get in the ring with, but I'm the right one. So with that being said, I got to just stand up on mine, st stand 10 toes down, and, and, and face the big a hungry bear at the moment. Mm. Mm. Not running from him. No, you're not. I was um watching the Showtime special that you did, and yeah. you were talking about, you know, like as a boxer, you want to fight the best. You want, you know, you want to keep challenging yourself. And my question is, when, how far do you go? Right, you're already going up to to weight classes. When it comes to fighting and and wanting to fight the best, how much farther do you go? Would you go even farther to another weight class, or do you think that you'll go? <laughs> man, bucked his eyes. Do you think you'll go yeah. back down to one fifty four? Because I know you talked about fighting Crawford. Yeah, um, I, I'll do. I'll definitely go. Um, of course, where the finances allow us to. Um, my body is not necessarily bigger than one sixty eight. Um, fight weight. I don't want to be um, unbalanced in, in any situation while I'm in the ring. Um, moving up too far in the weight division could cause could be a problem. So I try not to go too far. I wouldn't go too far up, and I probably wouldn't go too, too far down. Um, one fifty four. I wouldn't go to one forty seven. That's what Terrence Crawford. At. I'm still the champion at one fifty four, um, and so whatever criteria I have to meet to become to to hold my throne. I will. If I got to figure out to do something different in boxing, if I got to vacate my titles, um, I mean, which I, that's not on my mind. I feel like I will come back down to defend my titles and and um, walk through everybody at that weight division because nobody in my weight division is taking a chance or a step to say, you know, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to go up in weight and then come back back down. These, that, that opens up a, a different obstacle for me, but it, it is it makes it to a point where a 54 pounder, once I make that weight, he won't even be able to, he, his punches won't affect me. Like I'll be a weight bully. So, I mean, and I'm trying not to be a weight bully. I'm trying my best to, but whatever, whatever makes sense, I'm gonna go that direction. Fighting Terrence Crawford at 160 uh, in middleweight. Um, we both accomplished great things. I'm gonna go win this other title, these other titles. I got the same thing he got, he got, two belts, two, two undisputed champions fight each other. That's kind of cool. You know, that's obviously never what happened in history. But, um, you know, Terrence Crawford, you know, commend him. He did his thing. He beat Earl Spence. Um, he did it in a, a fashionable way. You cannot doubt it. And that's what I'm looking to do. I'm trying to get in there. And and as everybody's sitting back scoring these rounds, I want them to be like, well, Charlo got that. I don't want it to be a point where like they are oh, we uh, he got robbed. Or, I, I want to hey, he lose fan square or win fan square. Simple as that. If they rematch that fight at at, at fifty four, um, Spence and Crawford, do you think it will go different? Oh uh, yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. Earl have more power. He have more. Um, uh, the, I don't know about as far as what he'll do different for skills because that's 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 um. Training camp, but I know he had more power and more like standing. You think he could knock Crawford out at fifty four? I don't know. Um, I I, I don't know because you know he would have to do a little bit different things in training camp. I don't think I don't know if there's just a knockout, but I know he can he can edge the fight. He can win. 
So when 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 uh when the fight was happening, we were all shocked, right? Because it yeah. was a hell of a performance. And he looks over at you and he starts saying, You're next. What's going through your mind? Like when he's well, looking, huh? I hardly was able to hear him. So I didn't even couldn't read his lips. He was kind of in the ring on top of the lights and there. So I mean, I see him look at me, but I thought he was just more bragging that he he knocked out my boy. Not like, oh, I'm I'm I done knocked your boy out and you next. I mean, I didn't even hear that until like a week later, like when people put it together what he said, or when he answered and said, This is what I said. So um other than that was it was hey, congratulations. Is that a fight you want? Why don't why why y'all don't get along, bro? What's with you and Crawford, bro? Like, why y'all don't why y'all don't get along, man? I never knew that it was static. Like, what's the what's the beef? What's the beef, Charlo? I don't think nobody get along with me in boxing. You know, I ain't about why we just why because I I'm not friends in this sport. You know, I don't have a friend. I don't have a friend that I could just say that's my boy. I'm not fighting him in in a sport of boxing. Maybe Earl, um, but. You know, we won't fight each other. I, I don't got friends in this game. I never had them even growing up in the game of boxing. That's why I didn't been into it beefing with almost every fighter from Mexicans to blacks to whites and, and Puerto Ricans. You know, like I didn't did I didn't did it all. Like I've been a villain. Nobody liked me. I walk in the arena, people talk shit to me. I didn't seen some boxes and this and that, but then they take off running, like, you know, like they pick, they picking it. They poke at me a bunch of times, you know, and then they expect to see my reaction and spaz out and, and get get out of character. You know, that's what I'm used to. But I mean, I'm chilling. I don't gotta do that no more. Um, um, put the right team around me, and so um, you pick at you pick at me, you pick at us. You know, it's like that type of ball field. But I, like I just, Terrence Crawford just never was. You know, you know, he wasn't with us at first. You know, like he wasn't with PBC. We wasn't able to fight him. He was on the other end and was always talking shit and calling out these names. But then he could beat us and beat this person. And, man, you know, you ain't even trying to make the fight because you wasn't ever with anyone on his end. But now he got with the right people. He signed with the PBC deal, whatever he did. He was he able to fight us. So um, now it's, hey, I'll, I'll stand behind who I rock with. I rock with Earl Spence. We train together. We put in work together. And that I... That's it to the DIE. I ain't finna go change up and try to go be like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm rocking with Terrence Crawford now. No, I'm still to this very much. <laughs> hey, after after the fight, I'm still rocking with Earl Spence. Mm. Uh, is that a defense mechanism to not have any friends in the sport because it just helps you when when you're training or or when you you are you the fact that you may have to go up against one of them or is that just you? Nah, it's just me. I I don't care about all that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't have it. Don't make me. No better or no less. Hmm. Um, I got a couple more questions for you. I know you got to yeah. run, champ. I know uh, you're doing sure. your thing. So mm -hmm. I got a couple questions. If you if you beat if you beat um, Canelo at sixty eight, I would assume that there would be a rematch. Let's say you beat him twice at sixty eight. Mm -hmm. Would you ever want to fight Caleb Plant at sixty eight? Um, whoever I fight, whoever my bad man. I'll fight whoever uh, I can fight. I think these uh, people would be a good fight. You know, uh, fight the guy that beat Canelo, too. Or the guy that called me out. Man, oh my um, but I'll fight any one of them guys, bro. 168 would be cool. If that's the weight I'm going to domain at, I'll fight that. But if I'm not domaining at 150, 168, there's no point in me going to that, you know, like putting on a, a fight at 68. Like, 
aren't even thinking about it. The future is, is all up to what I do next. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, but I don't know the, the 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 real essence, but I know that I got the opportunity to fight Canelo, and I jumped on it. But you know, my mind got 54. Like I, I gotta go back down one day. You know what I'm saying? Ah, Tim yeah, I got, I got my I got my own stuff to handle. Right now, I'm just you know seeing what what seeing some see if I can make magic happen. So now I'll this is this is. Wait, wait, oh, this is my last. This is my last question. This is my last yeah. question. Now I know this might be a bit of a reach, but yeah. I saw you say you want what the world wants, and this was in reference to Crawford and getting and getting back down to one fifty four. If the mm -hmm. world wanted you to fight a Jake Paul, now I know that's a totally different weight class. Mm -hmm. Would you do it? Uh, I mean, if it makes sense. You know, uh, you would have to. You would have to. Uh, yeah, like, there's no yeah. way. I'm gonna answer yes. Yeah, Be because sure. that would be so easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not. A, and that's not a diss to Jake, by the way. I've been in no, with Jake. Jake works real hard, but Jake is all a fighter. So. Yeah, yeah. Jake is all a fighter. He he um he been boxing for quite some time. He, yeah. he got some skills and everything is tough. He Dick takes it real serious. Yeah. Dick went 89. Well, he's fighting at like 180 and shit. Like, yeah. I ain't even thought about that up there. I'll be <laughs> retired and relaxing in the backyard, chilling before I be winning. <laughs> Just yeah. trying to fight, you know? Um, yeah, that's that's you know, by the way, anybody that's wondering, like out here at Phil Polina's boxing, we be in the gym, we had seen Jake and BJ and those guys out there. The one thing you cannot say about Jake Paul, the one thing you cannot say. Is that he doesn't work. They are in there working. He takes the sport seriously, and it's, he's going to go as far as, as I think. Uh, he, I think he the best out of all of the YouTubers turned to boxers. He the best. Like he one of the best. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um. So, it, it, I heard that Ocho Cinco beat you up one time. Is that true? Nah, never. Nah. <laughs> he didn't I, play, I, have, I have fun with Ocho. That's my guy. He, we hang out all the time. He came into training camp one time and. You know, I gave him a few rounds. It was it was fun. It was good. He uh he he pretty strong as well. He he a you know solid guy. But nah, he never he never touched me up or nothing. So how do you do that? Because I think it was either you or your brother who went in with my man Tobin too, uh yeah. down there in Houston. When you're working with somebody, because you know, some of the pros get in and they work with me sometimes, and then all of a sudden, shout out to Lewis Rose, who me and Lewis was working around. I hit him with a one-two. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he started talking to everybody in the gym. He was like, watch this on the counter. Watch this on the counter. And I was like, what? And I jabbed and then he punched me dead in my shit. So I'm wondering, when you are fighting with Ocho Cinco, mm -hmm. or was it you or your brother who was in with Toby? Wait, my brother did, uh, was with Toby. Yeah, with, in with Toby. How much do you give it? Like, what are you what are you trying to do when you're fighting with a, a rapper or a ball player or something like that? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to do enough to let them know you can't really fuck with me? Uh, or are you just working? Yeah, you just let them know. Like, <laughs> if you want to, you got to give them a little bit. But right. um, I think you just change the speeds up. Usually, when you're in there with those with, with guys that don't have as many, as much skills as you, um, you do you work on a lot of defense, a bunch of little sticks here and there. But you change the speeds, you slow the speed down a little bit. So if somebody threw out a lazy jab like you did. Um, and they just boom, and they rock right hand. They can. Ain't that what happened? You said that. I mean, he Damn, just, do this nigga just called the jab lazy. 
I'm going to start having to put my highlights up here, bro. I could fight. You know, okay, you just, already just, do put your highlights up there. We should but, we should but, actually but, had him, uh, Jamel critique them. But he, put, he said he hit him in his shit. He just was like, you got off a good one, too. That means that he you you was faster than him at that moment. So when he wanted to bump it up, he was a little bit faster than he he, he knocked you in your shit because of the fact that you probably threw out something lazy or didn't know what to do after you did that. <laughs> That's the truth. All right. If you could fight one person in any arena, right? It don't have to be a boxer. It could be a politician, it could be a rapper, it could be anybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can fight anyone. You just get them in a ring and you fight them. Have you ever thought about who that person would be? Who would you want to fight? Who are you like? I wonder if this person can move around. Is there anybody out there like you versus Barack Obama? Like, I'll pay to see that. You versus, <laughs> you imagine him versus Joe Biden. That would be hilarious. Like, <laughs> it, it, but like, but, but is there anybody like you? Like, you see, because I see all these people messing around because I, I, I spar two or three times a week, right? And yeah. sometimes I see these rappers and I'm like, I want to fight him. I want to just, is there anybody you ever felt like that about? Nah, not really, man. I, uh, I, I mean, as I'm thinking about it right now, there's nobody that I'm like, I, I don't like this guy. Or, um, man, because when I think about boxing, I take it serious. This is like a real thing to me. I'm like, I mean, I want to, I can't stand this guy. I want to fight this guy. I mean, but there's, there, man, they ain't got, there's nobody that I could probably just be like, other than some like boxers, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but I shit. What man. boxer from the past would you uh, say that, that would you I would really like to get in the ring with him? Anybody ever watch highlights of and like, damn, I would have liked to fight him. Um, man, like uh I probably would like like a boxer that that like that I would like beef with, like Timothy Bradley, because he, you know, he like he with ESPN, he talk a lot of shit. He don't really like <laughs> PBC, he got a lot of doubt for us, a bunch of us fighters. Somebody like that, I, you know, I get in there and just want to knock him out and prove that, like, hey, like, I don't care if you old or not, I'm knocking your ass out. But maybe like a Mayweather, I'll jump in the ring just for the experience and the fun. Mayweather. Just, yeah. just to enjoy it. You know, Mayweather is a let's, let's get some around and uh, let me learn from you type of situation. Mayweather mm-hmm. a good guy. He, you know, he, he one of the goats in the game. But, um, man, shit, outside of boxing, I wouldn't have nobody to, that I want to just put my hands on. I got it. All right. So appreciate your time, champ. We wish you a lot of yeah. luck. Uh, before we leave, I'm going to say this. I'm not mm-hmm. Van right now. I'm not Van Lathan. Right now, yes. I'm, a, I'm a Saudi trillionaire, and I love yeah. boxing, right? I love boxing. But I want to make all kinds of weird boxing fights, right? Like right. super weird fights. I'm like, I just want to see if I can get people to do stuff. You know, the Saudis, they want to buy everything now. So I have $100 million for you <laughs> and for your opponent. $100 million for you. But the yeah. opponent is Jamal Charlo. Would you <laughs> fight your brother? Each one of y'all, $200 million fight. Would you fight your brother for $100 million? We can make some money, of course. I go make some money. <laughs> of course, we can make some generational wealth like that. I go yeah. to Saudi Arabia right now <laughs> and, be back, and be back before next week. And y'all be kicking it. After the fight, y'all be kicking it. Building houses. Doing all kinds of stuff, I feel you. Yeah, Bro, yeah. look, I think that this fight is going to shock a lot of people. Yeah. I like I've I've told Glasses and Charlemagne and everybody, we've got our little boxing uh um uh group chat. 
I think this fight is going to shock a lot of people. Um, wish you all the best of luck. The fight is September 30th. That's Jamel Charlo. He is the undisputed champion. It's on Showtime pay-per-view. You guys make sure that you order it. This is a big pay-per-view thing. We ain't talking about no championship boxing shit. This is a big yeah. pay-per-view thing. So y'all get ready, yeah. tee it up. Just need to do crazy buys. It's Jamel Charlo, 154, undisputed champ versus Canelo Alvarez. Good luck to you, my brother. Good luck. Good all right, Mailbag, let's go, Donnie. We'll talk more about the plight of female athletes on Monday. Rachel didn't want to talk about them. She wants to talk about Tim Scott. So we put women to the back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Donnie, Mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's Mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in all right first question is from icy map they want to know uh what rachel's thoughts are on the Deion sanders chicken commercial oh have you seen it did i watch the whole the sanders the whole sanders family with some kfc was it one commercial i mean here's the thing they weren't like tap dancing or anything for the chicken but they did eat it and y'all know how i feel about just eating they were all sitting around the table. From what I saw, I think that's what I saw. Them enjoying the chicken. I don't have a problem with them ordering KFC and enjoying a nice family dinner. But don't take a bite. And one of them did. So you can't eat chicken <laughs> on a commercial under any circumstance. Interesting. That's my rule. See, my thing is you can eat, but you can't celebrate the chicken. Like, so they couldn't take a bite and go, mm. Mm-mm. No, it's too much. You eat the chicken, it's like, ah, it's good. You know? But if you eat the chicken, like, Lordy, it's too much. I, I can't fuck I don't, with it. Man. I don't want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to open your mouth wide to take a bite. None of it. Just, But you can gather around the table and enjoy yeah, KFC. Yeah. So it went, it, somebody took a bite, so I don't like it. Yeah, but overall, you didn't really have that much of a problem. With no, it. no, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, too much. <laughs> okay, uh, next. All right, next one. Dr. Disco asks, uh, since Van despises Hamilton, what is a musical that he actually likes? Oh, several. I like Little Shop of Horrors. Good one. Uh, I like The Wiz. Um, I like Wait, the Lion King musical. I like Has Wicked. The Wiz ever been a musical or was it just a movie as a musical? Did The Wiz ever go to Broadway? They're trying to put it on Broadway right now, I know. But I don't know if they're trying to bring it back or if it's original. Is La La Land a musical? So you're talking about a movie. You're not talking about Broadway. Okay. It's a, it's that was musical. my question. That's my question. Interesting. I was, well, no, Broadway can either be a play or a musical. So I didn't know which one. Donnie could, you, Donnie, could you read the question again? Yeah. It says, since Van despises Hamilton, what is a musical he actually likes? Mm, where do you see Broadway in there? Well, Hamilton's on Broadway. Hamilton's not, not a movie. Not, not exclusively. Hamilton is a movie. No, and it's it is just also the Broadway, Broadway. The Broadway musical is they just are showing it. It's not a movie. Well, the like, Wiz La La Land, did start off as a Broadway musical. So, and that was my question. That, that was well. Yeah. My question was that was my question. Was it the movie Rachel, or stacking wrong on top of wrong? Whatever. 
So she's asking <laughs> Stephanie Mills or Diana Ross. Do you have a preference between the two? Oh, well, I've never seen Stephanie Mills do it, but I do know when I was a kid that there was a lot, a lot of discourse in my house around Stephanie Mills uh, Stephanie, over Diana Ross. Stephanie Mills has a totally different voice than Diana Ross. So I'm going to say Stephanie Diana Mills. Ross a, Diana Ross a fucking icon. I didn't say go that. Diana. I didn't say that. I'm going to go, go Diana. Have you heard Stephanie um, Mills sing Home? Yeah. Then that should be enough for I haven't you. Heard to see, I haven't heard her sing Home. I've heard her sing Stephanie You've Mills. You've never like heard Stephanie her sing Mills. Home? No. That's it. That will change your mind. That's your homework. Yeah, go listen to Home. Donnie, do you I'm have a preference? Shout out to Stephanie Mills. Yeah, what about you, Donnie? Uh, see, I've never seen Stephanie Mills do it. Like I grew up with the Diana Ross version, but so I can't I. deny uh, Stephanie Mills's rendition of Home. And I feel like you have heard it, man. You just don't realize it. And also have. respect Maybe Stephanie Mills. She's an icon too. They're both icons. She is an icon. They both icons, man. Stephanie Mills is amazing, and she's very entertaining. She's a very interesting. I would like to have her on the podcast. All right. Okay. Uh, next one. All right. Uh, Quitting Quitter asks, uh, what's the best vacation destination on the North American continent for those who want to travel but are on a budget? On the North American continent? Interesting. And you're on a budget? That's tough, right? Because... I mean, it it depends, right? If you're talking about like... If you want a beach, right? If you, you want, want outdoorsy, cool, you want outdoorsy, because right. there are some places, you know, there are some low key places that people don't ever go to that are like really beautiful. Like Missouri is beautiful. <laughs> like <laughs> the Ozarks, like like parts of. If you want to go to like a resort, like you know, the Ozarks are beautiful. Like places in Montana, like Yellowstone is beautiful. But then if we talk about North America, then it's like Tulum, Cancun, Cabo. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. You know, yeah, but you don't want to go to those places. They're too crowded. Tourists have ruined Tulum. (laughs) They're barely get. (coughs) Sorry. God damn, nigga. Need some (coughs) water. Jesus Christ! It's just like. Hold on. Sickness. Yeah, bro. Down with this. Play a little down with the sickness right now. Let's put this in after. Okay. What? The correct thing for you to say to me is, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, but that's but it's actually not the correct thing because I wasn't thinking that. So that would just be feigning concern, and that's wrong. Feigning concern is wronger than actually not having concern. I'm telling you, you should have had concern. Um, all right, that's enough. That's enough podcast. Okay, we've it's it's over. Uh, Rachel is sick; she's not feeling well. Um, and so we're out. The reality is this: I'll listen to home, play home. Donnie, give us a little home. Oh wait, it's home. The song that goes. No. Well, how's it go? When I think of home, of home, I think, my dog, I think of you. I've have heard that, of course. Like, is that how it goes like that? 
I think of a place and where the the people people. No, that's not how it goes. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yes, it is. When that makes the tall grass. (laughs) Take your thing caps off, but do not stop learning. (laughs) I am Van Lathan Jr. (laughs) Excellent. Bye, guys. You can't win.